Well, good evening, everyone. Good evening to Marco, and welcome Sean McVay. Hope you had a refreshing open weekend. What did you sense from the group uh, upon their return to the facility on Monday? Yeah, I, th- I think guys are feeling good. You know, uh, certainly disappointing the, to not be able to come away with the win, but at the end of the day, uh, all we can control is just being in the moment. And, you know, we're never going to let the past, uh, you know, prohibit our ability to move forward. We talk about that all the time, and really our sole focus is on let's have a great week of preparation. Let's see if we can find a way to go 1-0 this week. Uh, win is a win, loss is a loss, but when you lose on a missed field goal, does it make it hurt that much more? Uh, you know, it, it's hard to say. I think there's so many plays that contribute and lead to the outcome. Uh, we win and we lose as a team, and, and the one play ends up being the last play that could have potentially affected, you know, whether you win or lose, but um, you know, Greg's made so many po- so many things for us over the last handful of years. He's going to continue to make big kicks. That one didn't work out for us, but there was a lot of plays in that game that led to us not getting it done collectively as a team. And um, you know, that's what we talk about. That's what our guys believe. They know that, and, and it's about everybody doing a little bit better, figuring out how we have a great week of preparation, and, and let's move forward the right way. And we saw that even before we went off the air, whether it was Jared Goff uh, consoling Greg on the field, Todd Gurley with a great shot going up in the tunnel, putting his arms around the specialists. I mean, uh, everyone played a role in the wins and the losses so far, and it, it felt like you left Seattle with the whole 53 knowing that. Yeah, and, and you know, we try to be a connected team, and I think more than any time, you get tested when you go through a little bit of adversity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's easy when everything goes your way and, you know, you're winning games, different things like that, but I think these are great times, uh, you know, to really test our resilience. And at the end of the day, I, I do think that, you know, tough times don't last, tough people do, and we got a lot of tough people. We're not out of this. We're going to get a shot to win this football game. What gives you that confidence in your guys? I think it's the belief that you have. You know, there's a belief, there's a confidence in the people that you're doing it with, and and I think there's an expectation. You know, we respect Seattle. They're a very good football team, but we have the expectation to go in there to win a football game. And and our guys believe that. I think that is the standard that they've set. And and ultimately, um, you know, just it's the the belief and the confidence in the players and, and the guys executing. And, you know, people always say, what do you say to guys that get cut or get, when guys get fired? Nothing. Just hand them a beer. Yeah. You know? There, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And I think, you know, and, and you know this, DeMarco, the, the thing is, is uh, – Especially in this business, you know, you don't want any of the sympathy calls. It's, hey, I love you, man. Care about you no matter what and with you all the way. And, and that's really what, what else can you say? Because, you know, obviously it's not an ideal time, but I think more than anything, it's just showing the unconditional support and you're there for somebody as a friend. And um, whenever they want to talk about it, if they do, you're here. If not, then we'll keep it moving and we'll, we'll, we'll be normal as, uh, as nothing occurred. We're buds. That's how it goes. There you go. What did you say to your guys, the off, especially on the offensive side? Because, to me, a whole lot better than we saw against Tampa, especially pre-snap penalties. Different group versus Seattle. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know I didn't really have to say much. It's about hey, let's just go play. Uh, nobody play tight. Everybody play loose with the expectation that let's not let the fact that there are expectations get in the way of our ability to perform at a high level with a no fear mindset and mentality and go attack that success. Don't fear the failure. Uh, I'm not saying that we did, but I think there is an element of guys that care so much, not at the expense of playing tight or afraid to make a mistake. And I thought we played loose. I thought we had an attacking mindset and mentality uh, really throughout the whole night. Uh, I think you could see we got settled in. I'd, I'd still like us to start faster. You know, we got to convert on some of those third down opportunities sooner than later. Uh, but at the end of the day, I thought especially once we got the two-minute drive rolling at the end of the first half, really with the exception of the backed up, you know, it was, it, there was an attack mode, and, and it felt like uh, guys were doing their thing. 
Sean, some injury news since we've uh, seen you last, and unfortunately the last rep of Week 5 for Clay Matthews turned out that it broke his jaw. I understand it's yeah. been wired shut since. It has been, and, uh, you know, he's going to have to be very strategic with his diet over the next uh, mm. month or so, but uh, it's kind of a freak play. I've never really seen anything like it, and, you know, it's it's really a big loss for us because he's played at a really high level this yeah. first month of the season, uh, big shoes to fill, and we can't wait to get him back, but there is a lot of confidence in Samson to, to be able to step up and do his thing. Talk a bit more about that and who steps up in the defensive portion of our program. Uh, Brandon Cook's concussion protocol, I understand? Yeah, it, I think, uh, you know, he checked out good. Uh, he'll go through that. You know, it's something that you can't be smart enough and, mm-hmm. and careful enough with how you go about making sure that, uh, you know, everything is in alignment and that he's good to go before you return to action, but uh, because he was asymptomatic so quickly, because he ended up coming back uh, and and was able to kind of be responsive, you know, it wasn't anything where the the symptoms were elongated that ends up making you a little bit more concerned about all right, how quickly is he going to be able to recover from this? So uh, these are serious things. You take them very seriously, but but I think for him to be uh, immediately responsive and kind of aware of his settings and surroundings, and then asymptomatic is a really big positive for us. And he caught it. Unbelievable catch. <laughs> right. What yeah. a catch, it, right. huh? I yeah. mean, jeez. Uh, Taylor Rapp, we talked to him last week. He really wanted to play in his home city of Seattle, but taking the uh, long lens, it seemed like the extra time will do him well and should be good to go against San Francisco. Yeah, we're hopeful, JB. And, and I think if it was a normal week, he probably would have had a chance yeah. you know, to be able to play. But being such a short, quick turnaround, such a physical game, uh, it was going to be tough to be able to get him out there. How about what you saw from Troy Reader making a start in place of Bryce Hager? He did a nice job. You know, he, uh, you know, I thought even in, in you know when he stepped in immediately in the Tampa game, you could feel it's not too big for him. He's immediately active you know he ended up you know Joe Barry had him for about 19 tackles the other night um, he was in on a lot of action you know because of, of the way that the game went he you know played a lot of snaps and, and, and again I think you say the same thing good football player physical you feel his presence in the middle uh, and it certainly isn't too big for him Next on the Coach McFay Show, we'll turn our attention to the matchup with the San Francisco 49ers and after a breakout performance for Gerald Everett and the tight end group in Seattle. How does Sean see that playing out in the future in 2019 for his Rams? With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long, and glad you're with us on ESPN LA 710. Part of a breakout week five performance for Gerald Everett. Seven catches for 136. Big game for the tight ends in general. We continue with the Coach McFay show. Sean's with us, DeMarco and JB. Uh, we saw all three of your tight ends on the roster make contributions against the Seahawks coach. Yeah, you know, and it was something that we felt like based on the game plan, uh, wanted to be able to get some different personnel groupings going. Uh, it ended up being a good benefit. I thought those guys made the most of their opportunities. And, um, you know, it, w- it was something that uh, was a real positive, And it was great to be able to see those guys make their place Gerald Everett 136 receiving yards um is that the best he's played or just the most he's gotten involved in the game plan I think a little bit of both uh you know I I think it was the most opportunities that he had and then I think you see the flashes of what he's really shown over the course of his career over the last couple years uh but getting more opportunities you see the elite ability with the rack you know to be able to create as many yards as he did you know after the catch breaking tackles good ball security still uh he and Jared having a nice rapport whether it was in some of the early downs and even some of the known passing situations uh he consistently showed up and then he did a lot of really good things without the ball in his hands blocking you know handling a really good player and Michael Kendricks off the edge uh, in a handful of our runs where he was right at the point of attack so thought it was a really good day for Gerald Everett was that Jared's best performance of the year and, and even if not 
seemed like a lot of good reps to build off of moving forward. It was. I thought it was his best performance of the year. You know, you really look at it. Um, you know, he had the one interception that wasn't on him. I thought he made good decisions. I thought he saw the field well, got through some progressions. You could see he ended up creating a little bit off schedule. You look at one of the, t- you know, the big plays that got down to the one-yard line where he gets flushed on a keeper. He and Gerald are on the same page where Gerald pulls up. He ends up throwing back across the grain. Uh, ended up on a play action, finding Higby off schedule, and then he was able to make some really good throws in rhythm and then I thought in the crunch time moments uh, the two minute at the end of the game and then the end of the half were some of his best moments yeah. uh, when there's the most pressure on the quarterback so I thought it was a really good day for him. I thought the O-line was great too. They did a great job. You know I think the thing that's that's you know really imperative is that when Jared's seeing the field that way when he's playing within the timing and rhythm the line's protecting everybody's a beneficiary of that. You know the guys were separating so I thought we protected better. I thought it was also a result of the ball coming out and the timing and rhythm that we want a little bit better so it was a better overall offensive operation and really there's a lot of room for improvement too that's Mm -hmm. a good tough defense but there's a lot of things that I fully believe that we've got to clean up we can clean up and and I think it'll even lead to more production in those two-minute situations especially end of game having never worn that that headset before what's it like in the helmet like how much in a in a short clock situation do you try to convey to Jared versus letting him run the controls and execute what you've been practicing all year yeah I think uh you know it's a collaboration you know I mean we're you're able to utilize that where you know you're getting in and out of some of the looks or calling certain plays that we like but Jared's got a great ownership and understanding of what we're trying to get done um but it's really in a lot of instances having a feel for the flow of the game you know you have your you know your two minute ready list and some of the things that you want to activate but as with anything you know the, the the game dictates a little bit different response and the feel and the flow and all right what kind of coverages have they been playing what do they like to do uh is it more zone is it a mixture of a little bit of both I thought coach Norton did a good job mixing it but but at the end of the day um you know our guys did a nice job executing versus some of the different looks they presented so it's a collaboration to really answer your question that's a one-way conversation right you got the mic he it listens. is it, it, he's <laughs> but but I mean the amount of communication that he has to be able to handle from getting a little bit of information from me and then how he transmits that to his other 10 teammates, uh, what play, you know, sometimes we might call a couple plays, sometimes we might call one, uh, the tempo, the cadence, all, all the different things, you know, you have a real appreciation for the stress level placed on the quarterback, especially, especially in an atmosphere and an environment like Seattle. They should give him a mic. Let him talk back to the coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking all while running potentially 30, 40, 50 yards right. downfield That's after right. a, big, a big play to put you in a position. Uh, the Coach McVay Show presented by In-N-Out. In-N-Out, that's what a hamburger is all about. Uh, You talked about taking care of the football a little bit better in our first segment, and that was one of the things I reflected on too. Like, yes, three and two, not as good as it it feels like it should be. Maybe four and one is where you believe you are, but with a minus four turnover margin, it could obviously be inverted too. It could have gone the other way. Absolutely, you know. And and at the end of the day, we are what we are. We're three and two. Uh, You know, you can you could sit there and you can look back and say, oh well, we should have done this or should have done that, and that's really not how we're wired. You know, we want to look back, make sure we correct the mistakes, but you keep it moving. You know, we can't dwell on. Uh, on what we can't control. And what we can't control is the outcome of those five games that have already previously occurred. What we can use those five games uh, uh, you know, for is learning opportunities to make sure that we don't repeat the same mistakes, we get things corrected, and then we continue to do some of the things that we've done at a high level and continue to do that and even better as we move yeah. forward. But um, I know this, and it's easier said than done, but but you can sit there and dwell on, oh, if we make this play, if we make that play, we're 4-1 and one or we're 3-2, and two, and really all it ends 
ends up being is wasted emotion, wasted energy that you could be spending it on something to try to do a better job of preparing for the 49ers this week. Um, and it's something that you got to really talk to yourself and not listen to the, what the natural inclination tells mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, especially with what's out there, how much the narrative has changed and, you know, at the end of the day, whether we make that kick and that means that we're a four and one team, or whether we don't and we're a three and two team, uh, certainly the outside in narrative, the outside narrative is a very different thing. But but we're still the same team that has to do a good job of being process over results. And if we feel like we keep that singular focus, good things will come as a result of that. My favorite Todd Gurley carry is anytime he's carrying the football, I can care less how you get it to him. Just let him run. But that first carry, physical, kind of set the tone. I thought so. It was a great job. We got good knockoff, good removal. He did a good Good job putting his pads down and, and nine yards to start the game is what you want. Is that something you like went into the game saying, I need to get him going early? It was something that we wanted to be intentional about, DeMarco, is really just getting him going a little bit, letting him get into the flow of the game. Uh, you could see, I thought we got him some good touches early on, and that ended up helping us out as the game progressed. Where it gets a little bit imbalanced sometimes is when you are in as many two-minute situations as we were both at the end of the half and the end of the game. Really three drives, if you count the drive where we turn the ball over at the end, uh, and then we ended up getting the ball back. So, so really Really, three of our drives ended up being kind of two-minute type sequences where that's where you could get a little bit you know, out of balance. But I thought in some of those early downs and the way he was able to run, the way we were able to block some of their front structures, thought it was very beneficial for the flow of the game. What about the point you made about starting a little bit faster? And, and as it happens, the Rams are the only NFL team without a first-quarter touchdown, so I know you'd like to cap some of those earlier drives. Yep. But it also comes with some context. I mean, you're winning coin tosses, deferring, sure. doing really well going into and out of half times. And your defense has created takeaways three times and five uh, opportunities on that opening drive. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the, we can you can look for a lot of little different stats, things like that. We, we want to score touchdowns when we get the football, and and sometimes you know, based on you know, okay, well, we've deferred, we've never started with the ball. However, you want to cut it, we're making an excuse. We got to do a better job of starting faster. I thought that game represented a, a better start than what had been in previous instances. Mm-hmm. But you got to finish on the third downs in the red zone, and you can't settle for two field goals to start out the game when you get down in there. you got to capitalize on a Nikhil Roby turnover where Marcus ends up getting the ball back and you know, and, and we end up only you know, getting, you know, you go three and out. And, and that's where when you have a first down run for nine, you can't go negative on second down. And then when you get a man coverage on third down, I expect the confidence I have in our players to be able to consistently win. They did a good job stopping us, but a lot of things to draw on. You can reach for a lot of different things. Uh, but for us, it's about efficiency, uh, producing, and, and finding a way to score touchdowns on, on every op we get. Nutshell thing, the strategy on deferring is what? Make them make choices? Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes it's, you know, you could look at it as, you know, getting that possession, whatever, or let, let the defense settle in. Um, you know, th- there's been a lot of different looks that, that you can kind of take in terms of the strategic, uh, but it usually falls on, all right, do you end up getting a possession at the end of the first half? And then you try to get it again, you know, where you're talking about that middle eight section, you know, the last four minutes of the ha- first half, first four minutes of the second half. But um, it, it really is largely predicated on sometimes let's just let the defense get into a flow and, um, you know, we, you might expect us to change that up. I, you know, I, I, I think uh, that's something that we continue to evaluate. One more thing to touch on offensively, and that is the season doesn't end after five weeks, but if it did, Cooper Cup would be yeah. a pro bowler and it <laughs> yeah. would be unanimous. I mean, he's been incredible. He's been great, and he's, he's, uh, he's made a lot of plays. He's done a great job, and uh, I think the thing is is, is is the confidence that we have in him. I think there's even some plays the other night that you expect, hey, yeah. man, we can, you know, you're the man. Let's let's be at every single snap. <laughs> and and, uh, and I think 
think that's only a reflection of the confidence that you do have in him and the type of expectations that we have is that you're getting some opportunities, deservedly so, and then in those crunch time moments, let's let's be automatic. And, and uh, you know, he, he's been great. I love Cooper and, and been really pleased with what he's done. And, and the best part about it is is our best players, they want to be coached hard. They want to be corrected. They hold themselves to a high standard. I think the, the internal uh, focus and concentration that our great players have is second to none, and that's what's special about it, and that's why we're going to continue to push these guys at a high level. Still to come on this edition of the Coach McVay Show, a preview of the San Francisco 49ers, but next we'll take a look at some of the coverage busts the last couple of weeks as we turn our attention to the defense. Glad you're listening on ESPN LA 710. All right, welcome back as we continue with the Week 6 edition of the Coach McVay Show. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams. Uh, how about that defensive stand to give yourself a second chance at that potential game-winning drive? It was huge, and it was it was a great job by him. You know, got a good stop on first down. They got a couple yards on second down, but then the third down stop was was really big. Kind of kind of tried a triple option type deal. You know, we ended up playing our responsibilities exactly like what you want, and then Marcus ultimately ended mm-hmm. up making a great play right there to, to be able to give the offense a chance. If that's not Russell Wilson, that's a ten sack day. Probably so, yeah, and and I thought – you know, you can't help but, you know, just say what a great job he did. He made a lot of plays, um, and, and it was an impressive performance. But I thought it was high-level football on both sides, uh, good good caliber of, you know, of football, really. You know, good two good teams going at it, and, um, you know, he, he made a lot of great plays. You're right. Through three weeks, Sean, uh, the defense had allowed the fewest explosive plays in the National Football League. And then in the last couple of weeks against Jameis, against Russell Wilson, eight receiving touchdowns, including a couple of prominent coverage busts, you might say. What's kind of the perspective on that a few days later coming off the weekend? Yeah, the perspective is, uh, you know, it's not one underlying thing theme. It's let's just let's look at each individual play that resulted in the things that, mm-hmm. that we've got to get fixed. And a lot of it comes down to communication. Uh, and then there is an element of sometimes you got to make sure you say, whoa, that was a heck of a play by them. You know, they, they get paid to make, make some plays. I mean, you look at the first touchdown play. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there like no way Lockett got his feet in and. You know, you get flushed to your left. You you have about a margin for error that you can put that in about a you know a, a six inch radius. You know, and he's got the presence to be able to get both feet in and 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 to tap them and to make the play. So there are some things where you say that's a really dang good play by them offensively too. But a lot of things that we can correct that we can fix, and and that's the thing that's that's good about it is these aren't things where you don't feel like you have answers. But it's about doing right and it's about consistently executing, and those are things that we have to do. Mm-hmm. When you give up big plays, I mean, sometimes you have a tendency to point fingers or get mad at each other. How do you avoid that just to fix the problem and move forward? Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't make any excuses for why things don't work out. We we stay connected. We everybody's going to be accountable. Everybody's going to be coachable. Uh, correcting is is not condemning. Coaching is not condemning. It's it's correcting and and hey, let's solve the problem. Let's be solution oriented. Uh, let's not make excuses. And, and I don't believe that we have the types of guys that are wired that way. I think they're about hey, let's fix it. Let's face it. Let's fix it. And let's Let's move forward. I mean, series to series, I mean, you have to kind of not look at the stat sheet and say, just look at these guys and the plays they're making. Yeah. Yeah, some good plays out there defensively. That's right. And and really, it's about, you know, it's a next play mindset and mentality. You can't let previous plays affect your ability to move forward, especially in a game. There's so many ebbs and flows. If you ride that emotional roller coaster, you'll never set yourself up to be able to respond the right way. And I do think that even though we didn't ultimately get it done as a team, there was a lot of resilience that this team has demonstrated really through the first five weeks. Um, and, and we say it all the time, you know, 
mental toughness is about you know being your best regardless of the circumstances, and that's what we've got to consistently do. And we can't let bad plays, you know, uh, end up one bad play leading to two. And, and I think our guys are wired the right way. With Sean McVay and DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. Glad you're with us for this week six edition of the Coach McVay Show, uh, our weekly marvel at Aaron Donald. Uh, <laughs> the play that made both of our jaws hit the floor was a first quarter, first and ten run when Seattle sends a trap at him. And not only does he see it coming, but he beats it inside and then pursues with Fowler for a loss of one. I mean, how many human beings can do what he just did athletically not in that many, situation? Not many. He's, he's special. And uh, I think it's a combination of the preparation, the elite get-off, the explosion, the twitch, you know, and then the recognition. You, you can feel some of those plays coming, depth of the guard, different things like that. And, and he's doing an excellent job of being able to recognize those things. And, and when you're such a special player like him, you're going to get – I mean, I, he, I've seen some really creative things in terms of how you're blocking a three technique that uh, – or an interior defensive linemen that typically don't occur but you got to get creative in terms of ways to try to slow this guy down and I think he's starting to really just kind of see it all and use the experiences as a chance to just learn and get better and anticipate. Mm-hmm. Do you just break in the song when you think like I have him he's on my team I don't have to worry about him Yeah, it's, as you're driving? It's, it's yeah. nice it's nice to be able to have him he makes a lot of plays and, and uh, like you said dude, I'm glad he's on our team. Yeah and Fowler too Fowler works well with him I mean um, that's the thing I'm, I think you're going to miss without Clay Matthews but like you said Samson Abacom is a starter he he's is. been a starter in the league he has and and he's shown that he can do things at a high level you know for us it, it's really about you know guys continuing to play at a high level I think you have seen Dante do a lot of good things but it but Clay has also been a real real bright spot for us and, and he will be missed what do you do in the middle we talked a little bit about Troy Reader in our first segment, but we, maybe we can circle back to that a bit more if Bryce is able to go does that just create more depth there in the middle where you've taken some injuries along the way it does and and really those are things that that'll be determined as the week progresses we'll see where we're at but uh what you do know is you got two guys that are very capable of playing high level football for mm. us seems like he really studies reader like yeah. he's really into yeah. it. oh yeah. yeah he's into it he's smart he's conscientious he's got a good feel and, and i think those are things that really were demonstrated you know throughout his college career and and then as soon as he came in he was one of those guys you could just feel he's got a great feel for the game good instincts good awareness and he's a lot and he's a dang good athlete too you know he can run he can hit he's physical and and i thought it showed up really in the last couple weeks all right, hanging with the head coach of the Rams, keeping our eye on Monday Night Football for the third time this year, the Rams' next opponent playing as we host this show. We'll get to the 49ers coming up, but next it's a segment we call Audibles with your questions from social media directly to Sean McVay. Stay with us on ESPN LA 710. All right, we continue with the Coach McVay Show, anticipating the San Francisco 49ers coming to the Coliseum this weekend. With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long, and let's get Audibles kicked off with the uh, L.A. Rams fan club from Ventura County. Uh, they uh, took an eye towards the uh, Robert Woods assessment post-Seattle coach. They, uh, they noticed that Robert said, we've just got to play better, play faster, play more aggressive, and be nasty. Be the hammer, not the nail is the way that he put it. Did you like that? And would you uh, agree with Robert's assessment? Yeah, I, I think you know he's got a high standard, uh, high expectation, and, and I think it's about just consistently imposing your will on your opponent. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been around a lot of receivers, but he's as physical and as tough as, as it gets. And, um, you know, he, he's got a great pulse. He's got a great feel. And I think that just speaks to uh, the mindset, the mentality, and the expectations that he has for us to consistently perform at a high level, snap in, snap out, drive in and drive out. And, and it's about finishing the game and, and leaving no margin for error. And, and I think that's really what he was echoing and articulating, and I agree with him. Mm. I, assume, I assume nasty means just play hard, right? Not dirty, yeah. just play hard. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, Greg Gaines got some nasty uh, and got some playing time in Seattle where he also played his college football. Michael asks, will he see more playing time on the nose after that performance? I think he will. You know, he did a nice job in the limited snaps that he did play. Really productive. Uh, he was active. I think he's continuing to gain the trust of, of, of our coaching staff and, and really the confidence by, you know, getting out there, play, playing, showing that those that this game is not too big for him. And, and he is a guy that I think you can expect to continue to see an expanded role for. Let's go to some offense. Our most popular question this week with Eric Bate, uh, Keon, Jimmy, and others asking, will we see more two tight end sets and more tight end targets moving forward after finding some success in Seattle in that Yeah, regard? I think you know each week presents a different approach, but I do think uh, that part of the identity and part of the things that, that we're continuing to feel out and figure out what's the best way for the 2019 Rams mm-hmm. offense to operate is to mix up some personnel groupings. I think it keeps some certain guys fresher. Uh, I think it gets two tight ends on the field that, that can then give us some different matchup elements and and some different things that we do like and you know with the confidence you have in Tyler and Gerald uh, and then I think it keeps some of our receivers fresher throughout the course of the game so uh, continuing to mix up some personnels get some different things going I think is something you can expect to see that identity word you've used a couple of times now in this first month of the season is that something that maybe those of us on the outside took for granted that because there was a lot of continuity and because you won so many games through two years that the train would just keep on rolling even though there are new human beings in the building this year Yes, it's something that I think I took for granted, too. And uh, I, I think, if anything, you continue to gain an appreciation for that continuity and really each year truly presenting new challenges and a new way of, all right, figuring it out. How do we best accentuate our player skill sets? How do we find that identity? And how do we then create it? Uh, I think you want to be committed to certain things, but it's not about, all right, well, this is how we've done it. It's about what do our players do, and then how do we ultimately figure out a way to continuously try to put them in positions for them to succeed while mixing it up and, and not and, and being a little bit of multiple, you know, multiple in what you do. And uh, this year's team is different than last year's team. We do have a lot of the same players, but we also have some different spots with different guys and and that poses some new challenges and those are things that we're working through and uh, make no excuses, but but we, we you know we're continuing to find that out and work through it right now. Tough choice sometimes when all three receivers are hot. And you want to go twelve. You got to figure out which guy to take off. Yes, yeah. it, it is. It's those are positive problems, but I think being able to keep guys fresh, uh, anticipate what are some of the different things that that we're doing throughout the course of the week or game plan wise to get everybody involved. You know that's a that's a good challenge, but that is definitely something that comes to mind for sure. Stephen, with a defensive question in this audible segment, uh, why do the Rams prefer to play off coverage with their defensive backs? Is that true? Is that the case? And if so, why is it stylistically the way that the Rams go? Yeah, I think it's really it's just dependent upon what our what our coverage call is. What are some of the different structures? Um, so, in some instances, you've seen it. Um, others that might not necessarily be the case, but. Uh, we always want to challenge, want to do some different things. So, you know, unless you're saying, all right, what about this play? What's that call? It's hard to kind of speak in generality, you know, in generalities when you do play some different coverages. And, and sometimes the, the intent of the call is a little bit different based on what we want our corners doing. The Coach McVay Show is presented by in and out That's what a hamburger is all about. Let's stay on the defensive side of the football. Uh, Sly asks, with Clay missing time, uh, maybe you can give us a little scouting report on Obo Okoronkwo or perhaps even to Trez Patrick, some guys that we might might see step up in depth roles. Yeah, two young guys. Uh, you know, Oboe is, is, is a very intriguing guy that, uh, you know, you, 
you love the rush ability that he had coming out of Oklahoma. You can see really being able to play, you know, the outside linebacker spot, rushing from a defensive end in some of our nickel pass rush situations. So guy that's got good twitch, he's got good get off, good explosion, good leverage. Uh, you know, those are the things that you like. And then the Tres Patrick's a guy that, you know, you end up getting from Georgia kind of a, in an undrafted free agent type role. He was playing an interior linebacker then as an, you know, out of necessity based on some injuries with Justin Lawler, things like that. He transitions the outside. He shows a good feel. Uh, he's got great instincts. You know, he's made a big impact on special teams already up to this point. And I think you can see him, you know, provide some versatility and, and, and a guy that can also play on the edge for us as well in our, in our, in our, you know, our base defense or in our sub packages. I wish you didn't have to deactivate guys for guys like Oboe, if you can put him in the game with that get-off. I know. Yeah. That, that, that's the tough thing about only being able to have 46 up. Uh, sometimes these things have a way of, of sorting themselves out, and, and you usually need all your guys on your active roster to get through a season just because of some of the things that inevitably occur with injuries and things like that. Uh, Matt asks if there's uh, any update on Ja'Kai Polite, who you now have in the building as a member of the practice squad, and what his week-to-week role looks like. Yeah, you know, he's he's done a nice job, you know, and he just got, he just got here. He is continuing to, to learn our defense, but in a lot of ways, you know, his big role and contribution throughout the course of the week is to give a good look to the offense, and uh, usually he's playing on that edge spot, but it, it really just depends on which defensive structures uh, we're trying to get him to mimic and emulate, but, but he's done a nice job being here in a short period of time. Uh, last one for Audible. Stu has the honor. Uh, what's your take on a must-win phraseology with this week's game, division opponent San Francisco playing well, looking like a must-win opportunity for the Rams on paper? Yeah, I mean, we've we got to have a focus and an urgency every single week. And, and really, our, our sole focus and concentration is trying to, to win a football game. Let's go 1-0 this week. Let's control what we can control. Um, you know, to, to start talking about the must-win scenarios, you know, I think there's an urgency that, that we want to have to be able to try to get a win, and, and that's really what it would be, you know, to say a must-win. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, but, you know, every single game is so very important to us, uh, but all we can control is trying to, trying to win against the 49ers this week, and that's where we're at. And we will talk Niners next. Marco. I know it's your favorite rivalry, and how about this nugget? The Rams and the Niners have not met with both teams holding winning records in 18 years. No kidding. 2001, since wow. the Rams and the Niners were on the field bringing winning records to Sunday afternoon. We'll wow. talk about it next on ESPN LA 710. All right, welcome back. I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend at the Coliseum. It is 49ers week. With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long, and the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. And with the uh, Browns and Niners playing behind us here on a Monday night, I'm curious, how do you watch a game? And I don't mean like with your feet up on a Sunday that you happen to have off. I mean, as you go into your week of preparation, how do you ingest, for instance, Browns, Niners in the course of your average routine? Yeah, you know, so really, you know, you got it on in the background, but but so much, you you can get a feel for the flow of a game, you know, when you watch the TV copy, but so much of what we're looking at, you know, is based on, all right, the, the all 22 copy where you're looking at different situations and kind of how you go through your weekly rhythm. But but really, you know, either later tonight or tomorrow morning will be, you know, representative of when we'll watch, you know, that game, um, you know, individually as part of our preparation. Then you add it into the cut-ups. But, you know, as soon as uh, as our great video coordinator, Larry Clerico, and his staff get this in the uh, system, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be looking at this film. Do you go like, that's my play, I've seen that, or I'm going to steal that, I like that play? Sometimes, you know, <laughs> either way. You go some, I saw a couple plays we ran against Cleveland already tonight, so 
Um, but but I would be lying if I said I haven't stolen you know some of the plays <laughs> that you see from either of these teams. So it's a give and take. Since Cleveland is so RPO heavy and you are not, is a game like this even that helpful in terms of analyzing what you're seeing defensively? Um, yeah, you know, because there is some similarities. You know, where Cleveland's playing underneath the center and, and different things. So you know, certain games represent better opportunities to really you know use the representative cutups. That's a little bit more like what you want to do structurally, but. Um, you know, all four of these games that they'll have played uh, up to this point before we play them will be beneficial to us. Some more beneficial than others, mm-hmm. but but there's always uh, value in being able to watch these games. Oh, I was going to ask you the Jared Goff scramble at the goal line. Um, was that an RPO or a quarterback draw? Or was, it was he a QB draw? QB and, draw. Uh, okay. You no, know, he. Um, you know, I th- thought he got in. It was. It was a. You know, it was a good example. We could be a little more patient there. Him coming out, scrambling in there. A little, yeah, okay. we got to set you up as a defensive lineman, man. Make you think pass. You're up the field, and then we just kind of run you by <laughs> and just walk in. But no, it was uh, it was a good effort to get in, and that one didn't work out. And you know, I can I could certainly uh, you know do a better job there as well. In the third quarter, the math definitely supported going for two there. But I'm curious, like, what percentage of your decision making process is the chart or whatever it is that you use internally, and what is feel for the game and your matchup with them? I think it's both. Uh, you know, I, I think there are some instances where you'd say that the chart, if you feel like, all right, there's going to be some points, uh, you know, I, I kind of of the of the you know. I guess opinion that you don't want to chase points too early, mm-hmm. but but there's always that feel where, especially in the latter parts of the game into the second half, you know you usually want to follow that, um, and in a lot of those instances, that's where you know you, you kind of rely on you know Jetfish does an excellent job being able to communicate a lot of that stuff to me, uh, but it's a combination of both. All right, with Sean McVay and Demarco Farr, I'm JB Long, wrapping up the Coach McVay Show, Week Six Edition, and uh, win or lose here on Monday Night Football, the Niners are off to a great start, and some of this uh, defensive talent they've been stockpiling seems to be coalescing in San Francisco. Yeah, it's it's really impressive to watch the way they're rushing the quarterback. Um, they've got a new, you know, kind of a defensive front structure where they're war- rushing guys from wide nines. They're playing really technically sound up front. Got great players, great coaches, um, and they do a great job. You know, they're rotating about eight guys up front uh, they got some speed you know Warner in the middle is is a year better going into his second year you see they add Quan Alexander from Tampa who's been a really good football player with good juice and urgency uh, I think Quan Williams is one of the better more aggressive nickels in the league he's similar to Roby you know hmm. in terms of their play style their physicality uh, their ability to be able to play around the box and, and be physical against the run and competitive against the pass and you know, you see Sherman tonight ends up making a pick. He's still got great instincts and awareness. And they're getting some guys back healthy. Jimmy Ward's always been a really good football player. So uh, a lot of great challenges. You see Bosa making an impact. They signed D. Ford in the offseason. So it's so a lot of guys. I mean, I could keep going and naming some names. So it's going to be a great challenge. <laughs> well, the last thing you want to do is be in third and long against that, right? That's right. Yeah. No, you, you – uh, you know, more than ever, you got to stay efficient, uh, be on the screws with the early down and distances, and that's going to be a big focal point for us. I think we all agree that that was not the 31st team in the National Football League last year. They had some adverse circumstances impacting them, but they come around, and with Garoppolo now playing and playing well, they look more like a contender than they do a team drafting at the top of every round. They do. They, they, they're, they're really a good football team, extremely well coached. 
Um, know a lot of these guys, uh, whether it's been working with them or just kind of building some relationships over the course of uh, the last handful of years. And uh, it's going to be an exciting matchup for us for sure. It's funny. It's just 21. It's just a fullback, but it looks different with that 44 with the guy they have. Yeah, they do an excellent job of, of being able to utilize check in a, in a way that, you know, they're, they're really able to run a lot of plays that you run out of 21, they run plays out of 12, they run plays out of 11. And I think his versatility and then Kyle's creative mind and, and ability to kind of be able to try to, you know, utilize that in a way that manipulates defensive structures is what makes it so difficult to defend. The other piece, Kittle, of course, with what he's able to do supporting the run and contributing in the passing game. Yeah, he's a stud. He's he's one of the most complete tight ends in the league. Um, You see the production in the pass game, but what you don't see or you don't see him get enough credit for is his ability to compete in pass protection, his ability to compete on the line of scrimmage in the run game. Uh, He can play all over the formation. He's he's a a big-time player. I'd like your permission to promote Niner Week. Just for me, yeah, I can say this is Niner Week. It's Niner Week. Can I say it's Niner Week? Oh yeah, it's Niner Week. It's Niner okay, Week. Okay, this is a different focus, right? Let's, let's it's ride. them. Yeah. What it, does it mean to you, Demarco? It means everything. It means everything to beat them. It's Niner Week. Yeah. Is that okay with you? I'm right there with okay, you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> we just, need it. Just it's checking. Big. Just making sure. Yeah. There's a long way to Sunday for you. I can tell. Oh no, no, it, it'll get here. Yeah. yeah. All right. Marinate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, glad you're able to recharge over the open weekend. Uh, well deserved, and uh, go build off three and two. Yes, that sir. sounds good. All right. Thanks for your time, Sean McVay, and for Demarco Far. I'm JB Long. Thanks for listening to the Coach McVay Show uh, from Thousand Oaks, the Rams facility here at Cal Lutheran, and have a good night on ESPN LA 710.